0: Alright, so all of you have beautiful eyes, that good look, Amen Now this morning we are going to continue in the Sermon of the Mount series The Sermon of the Mount is the famous teaching of Jesus The preaching of Jesus found from Matthew Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7 And right now we are at the beginning of chapter 7 So by this month and next month we will be able to finish the Sermon of the Mount, a series that I believe that have been blessed by uh, God, uh, that have been a blessing to many of you today. So before I go to the message, let's read together the passage that we're going to look into this morning. And let's read together out loud, wherever you are, whether you're in person in the hall or whether you are watching from online, let's declare aloud together. Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 to 6. Let's read. Do not judge. out of your eye When all the time There is a plank in your own eye You hypocrite First, take the plank out of your own eye And then you will see clearly To remove the speck from your brother's eye Do not give dog what is sacred Do not throw your pearls to pigs If you do Then they may tremble them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. This is the passage that we are going to look into. Do not judge. And I want to start with mentioning these two names. The first one is this person. His name is called Kentaro Kobayashi. Now, he is the creative director of the opening ceremony of Olympic Games last year in July. And he was fired one day before Olympic starts in july one day before because they found out that in the 1990s 20 years ago he made a joke about the holocaust now the holocaust it is the genocide of the european jews during the world war ii and it was estimated about six million jews were systematically deliberately being murdered whether in a mass shooting in gas chamber extreme labor, and all of them were captured into a concentration camp. It was an inhuman way to treat a person. And Kantoro Kobayashi made a joke when he did his comedy back in the 1990s. And that cost him his job last year, July, one day before the Olympic starts in the month of July. Another person, James Gunn. He's the director of the Guardians of Galaxy Marvel movie series. After directing a very successful box office uh, MCU movie, Guardians of Galaxy, a series of his old tweets, which is about 15 to 20 years ago, resurfaces. And it talks about his own uh, personal opinion about dirty jokes, rape racism, and some of the offensive remarks about AIDS, 9-11 attack. He also mentioned about the Holocaust and all this resurfaced 20 years ago, the things that he said. People dig it out and it was re-mentioned in the social media. And consequently, he was fired to be the director of the Guardians of the Galaxy series. Now, when we mention these two persons, there are many more examples that I can quote. But as I mentioned these two persons, they are people who are creative. They are people who are hardworking. But because of what they have done in the past, people dug it out. People uh, knew what they did. And so, the world seems to have caught on to the culture, to what we call as the woke culture. Now, what is a woke culture? Woke obviously comes from the word wake. But the word woke means that you must be alert, aware, whether in political or cultural sense, the racial prejudices, social discrimination, and injustice that is happening among us, whether in the past or in the present. So, this is something that I hope that you will take note of, the woke culture. Meaning that you will be able to know what is happening and to be able to engage and know what is happening meaningfully and have enough in-depth to know what is happening. The woke culture. So the woke culture seems to be catching on because of so many social media in the past that people have voiced out whatever they want to say and many years later, you are held accountable to what you post on a social media or to what was recorded in the past, and being used to you now, whether to your advantage or your disadvantage. Now, work culture can be something good because it brings awareness of what is happening, what has happened in the past, and how it affects the present. But at the same time, we know it can also be used as a tool to discriminate, to cancel another person. And it gives rise to another culture called cancel culture. Whereby, after knowing what you have done, there may be a group of people, or in a larger public space, the people begin to discriminate you, to judge you, and also to stay away from you and to do something to boycott you, and you affect you, whether personally, emotionally, financially, in your career. And this gives rise to the cancel culture. If woke culture is not used or done properly, it may give rise to divisiveness and contention. And therefore, today, as Christian, the issues such as justice, righteousness, it is close to our heart. Because in some sense, woke culture resonates with us as Christians. Because we desire to see justice and righteousness to prevail on earth. And we always need to bear in mind that it is not just our social culture that we want to see happening. We want God's justice, God's uh, righteousness to prevail, not just our own culture. So, it is justice and righteousness that is based on the Word of God that we want to see happening, not just the world's culture. And the issue here is how do we respond when we Meet with the woke culture and the cancel culture. How do we judge? Is there a better way to judge? Is there a better way to make judgment call? And this is what I believe that we need to look into this morning. Can we judge? Can we judge rightly? And I believe yes, absolutely yes. Because we have the Bible, we have the truth of God. So today, as we continue the Sermon of the Mount, we are going to talk about judging. Now, there are three main points that I want to bring out. The first one is, can we judge? The second one is, how should we judge? And number three is, what needs to change in the manner or the way we judge? So let's get right into it. Number one, can we judge others? Now, the first two verses of the passage that we have read this morning, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1-2, to it says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now at the first glance, Jesus started His teaching saying, Do not judge. Now this begs the question today. What did Jesus mean when He says, Do not judge? What did Jesus mean? Now, when we see Jesus' life and His teaching, as we read about His life in the Gospels, we know that Jesus judged. He rebuked the hypocrisy of the uh, people. He pointed out the sinfulness of humanity. He also called the teacher of the law whitewashed tomb. He even went into the temple of God, rebuked the merchants in the temple of God and flipped tables. Jesus judged. So, when Jesus says, uh, do not judge, what does he mean? Now, I believe that Jesus did not say you cannot make judgment about right and wrong. And secondly, I believe that Jesus did not say that you cannot form any conclusion about issue. Because we need to make judgment about right and wrong. We need to make conclusion about issues and people. And that is something that we do all the time. For us, for those of you who are business owner, when you want to re- want to hire someone, what do you do? You interview a person. You talk to the person. You will see whether the person's background, experiences, and the personality, the skill sets, whether the, that person is suitable for the job or not. You are making a judgment call. And also in our country, we have judicial system. We have juries. We have lawyers. We have judges. And all the more, because it's a national level, we need to make good judgment call, competent judgment call. So we make judgment call all the time. And then for some of you who are single, if you want to find a life partner, you don't go into the street and just marry any Tom Dick and Harry, right? I hope not. In your dating life, that is where you make judgment call. Open your eye big, big. And see whether the person that you are dating with is that person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. That is the judgment call. So, in our life, we make judgment all the time. We make decision all the time. We make conclusion all the time. And the Bible in John chapter 7, verse 24, it says here, Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. More than just looking at something, Bible says, look beneath the surface so that we can make a better judgment about issues and people. So, this implies that when Jesus says do not judge, Jesus is not saying that we cannot make conclusion, we cannot make decision of right and wrong, but we need to make judgment call with due diligence and with wisdom. So, when Jesus says do not judge, Jesus is actually saying that He is against judgmental spirit. The attitude of condemning, patronizing, condescending, looking down at others. This is what Jesus is against. He is against a self-righteous attitude. The attitude that we thought that we are better, more intelligent, holier than you, because of My status or my skin color, I have a higher status or more supreme than you. I have more entitlement than you. And with that kind of attitude, we make judgment call. It's not about whether you make good or bad judgment. It's about your attitude, your self-righteousness, your judgmental spirit when you make the judgment call. Of course, we do need to make good judgment call. But there are times that when we make good judgment call, we made it in a way that it hurts other people. James chapter four verses 11 to 12. it says here, "Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. if you criticize and judge other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone. Who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Now here, God is asking us and says that, we do not have the right to judge. But again, bear in mind, it doesn't mean that we cannot make conclusion, we cannot make decisions. It means that we do not condemn others and we do not patronize others. So Jesus is not against making good judgment because we need to make good judgment all the time. He is against the self-righteous, judgmental spirit of a person. And also for the Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 2 that we have just read, it says that there are two reasons why we do not judge others with a critical spirit. Number one, it says that everyone will be called to give an account of their conduct on earth before the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Why do Jesus says we do not judge? Because we will be asked to give an account of what we have done here on earth. God will hold us accountable to what we say, what we have done, and the motivation of our hearts. God will judge our spirit and our attitude. So, our earthly deeds, what we have done on earth, will affect us in our heavenly consequence. And this principle is seen throughout the entire Sermon of the Mount. For example, back in chapter 6, verses 1, Jesus says, do not do your good deeds just to be seen by others or admired by others. If you do so, you will lose your reward in heaven. What you do on earth will affect your reward in heaven. And then verse 6, chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus says, when you pray, pray to the Father in secret or in private and He will reward you. What you do on earth will have Heavenly consequence. And verses 19 to 20 in chapter 6, do not store your treasure on earth. Store your treasure in heaven. Again, what you do on earth will affect your heavenly reward. There will be a heavenly eternal consequence. So our action and our deeds on earth does have an effect and consequence, whether good or bad, in our eternal destiny. Now, of course, it will not affect our salvation. Salvation is by the grace of God. You and I will still be able to go to heaven if we sincerely, genuinely repent and follow Christ. But that is not the full stop. Because many of us, we have this thought that, well, as long as I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, as long as I can go to heaven, that's good enough. Yes, that is good. But it's the full stop doesn't happen there. After believing in Jesus, God says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Meaning that we need to let God's transformation work. God's sanctification to come and change us from the inside out. And that will affect our reward in heaven. Now, the motivation is not to get more reward in heaven. The motivation is to let God change us so that it will be a life pleasing unto the Lord on earth. There is a purpose why God let you live and not immediately die the moment you accept the Lord Jesus Christ. God let you continue to be on earth for the purpose of glorifying His name. But, our, but it's our life glorifying God on earth. So, what we do on earth will affect our heavenly reward. God will evaluate us, whether now in our life on earth or when we see God face to face in heaven. And that's why the Bible says, do not judge. The way you judge will be the same manner you'll be judged. The same measure you judge will be the same manner you will be judged. Everyone will be called to give an account of your conduct. And secondly, why we do not judge. Secondly, how we judge others will set the standard of our own judgment. Are you judging others harshly? Overbearing? Are you always counting the wrong and the mistakes of others? Every time also you bring up other people's mistakes and shortcomings? Or are you loving, emphatic, merciful towards others? Are you generous? Are you forgiving? If that is the way you treat others, then that will be the way God will treat you. Whether during your life on earth or whether your final reward in heaven. There was a couple, a husband and wife, who always have breakfast every morning and overlooking the window, the wife always see the neighbour hanging out their laundry. The white shirts. One morning, the wife noticed and says, wow, look at our neighbor. The way the wife do the laundry, it is still very dirty. It's still yellow. There's still many black spots. Don't she know how to do the laundry properly? Is this even a laundry? Did she even do it well? And the next morning, when the husband and wife sat down to eat uh, breakfast, overlooking the window. Again, the wife says, look, the same laundry. Our neighbor did not do well. Still got a lot of black spots. Still a lot of stain. I think someone needs to go and teach our neighbor how to do laundry. This went on for a few days. And every time, the husband just kept quiet. Until one day, one morning, the wife says, wow, today, the Our neighbor finally got it right. The shirts and the laundry, it looks good. It looks white. It looks clean. There's no more specks. There's no more uh, dots. Finally, I think that someone has taught them how to do good laundry. And then the husband says, well, this morning I woke up a little bit early and I cleaned the window. I cleaned our own window. You see, when we judge others, sometimes it has a way of coming back to us. Won't you agree? If it is so, how much more should we be mindful when we know that our heavenly deeds, our heavenly reward will be affected on what we do on earth? Therefore, can we make judgment call? Should we make judgment call? Yes. But Jesus says, when you judge, Watch out your attitude, your demeanor, your approach. So, number one, should we judge? Yes. So, let's come to second question, second point of the day. How should we judge? Now, here, Jesus gave two vivid pictures of how we should judge rightly. Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 to 5. He says, Here, just for the sake of imagination, this is not biblical. We know that Jesus Jesus is a carpenter, alright? Jesus' father, Joseph, is a carpenter. Jesus grew up making furniture, perhaps, and sawdust, splinter, wood, is something that Jesus is very familiar with. So when Jesus say this, I can imagine that Jesus recalling His younger days when He has sawdust in his eye and when he sees sawdust on the table or even sawdust uh, uh, in in, in his brother's uh, eyes because jesus has brothers yes and also he know what is a plank a big solid wood jesus knew all this he is a carpenter and most probably he made this uh statement And also, we also read that uh, Jesus says, do not worry for if you worry, how can anyone add a day to your worries? Look at the birds of the air, the lilies of the field. Perhaps during the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus sat up on the mountain. He saw the lilies of the field. He saw the birds of the air. You know, when He sees things, He'll just spontaneously, perhaps, perhaps. So here, Jesus says, how can you see the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye when there's a plank, a solid big wood in front of your own eye that you don't see. Now, Jesus is saying that before we pass judgment on someone else, we need to start with ourselves. And Jesus is using a very apt comparison. He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust of others? As I mentioned, do you know how small and how difficult it is to to, to, to notice a speck of sawdust in other person's eye, try to look to the person next to you. Even though you're one meter apart, can you see anything in the eye of your neighbor? Can you? It's not easy. Perhaps you can. You may have a 20-20 vision. You, must, you may have an eagle's eye. Perhaps you can. But it is quite difficult to really spot such a small speck of dust. You really need to pay attention to small details. And yet, think about this. We are so good in judging others with the small, minute details that other people did. We are so good in in, in looking and spotting the small, minute details, the shortcomings of others. Now again, Jesus is not saying that we cannot judge. He's saying that don't just see the shortcoming and the minute details of others. First, pay attention to our own shortcoming. Can't you see the plank in your own eye? Can't you see the humongous, the fault and the failures in us uh, so large looming in front of us? Let's be honest here. We all know our own weaknesses and failure. We know our own shortcoming. We know something in our life that we do not wish other people to see or to know. Even our spouse. And we know what is going on inside us. But at the same time, as we know our weaknesses, we are very quick to point out the shortcoming of others, even though it's so small. And that's why. How should we judge? The first is to have humility. Judge with humility. To have the humility to see our own shortcoming. Humility to acknowledge that we too have our own shortcoming. How do we judge with our own shortcoming? Let me suggest two things. Number one, examine ourselves with the Word of God in prayer. Word of God in prayer. Every time you hear a sermon, do a Bible study, take a deliberate time, deliberate action to apply and to obey the Word of God and to examine ourselves. To examine our character, our attitude, our spirit. Every time you come to the Lord's table for Holy Communion, take time to examine our spirit, our attitude, and our own character. Ask God to reveal to us our shortcoming through prayer and that's why prayer is always important to go together with the Word of God. The Word of God revealed to us, the prayer will give us the power. Both must work hand in hand. That through prayer we respond to the voice of God and the prompting of Holy Spirit for us to change. And this must work continually in our heart. It's not just about one or two time kind of spiritual exercise. All the time until we die. There's something that we need to do. Examine ourselves with the Word of God and in prayer. And that's why every time when we have Sunday message, we always end with a reflection question so that we will take away something concrete to have an action, to have a reflection about our own life. And I hope that you will take this seriously that we will not just be listener of the Word of God, that we will be a doer of the Word of God. If you want to judge with humility, start by acknowledging our own shortcoming and start by judging ourselves with the Word of God in prayer. And secondly, secondly, listen to the feedback of fellow believer. There's wisdom in a group. It is called collective wisdom. Oftentimes, we grew up with certain value, attitude, character, which we think that is okay because we grew up with it. But when we interact with others, we found out that it is not okay. And with such faulty attitude and character, instead of looking at ourselves, we judge others. Because we do not know that what we believed to be the norm, is actually faulty. And that's why we need other people to point out to us our own shortcoming. And for that to happen, we need to have the humility to be open to others to speak into our lives. Now, I'm not asking you to just go to any Tom Dick and Harry and ask the person, tell me something about myself that I need to be corrected. No. Look for someone whom you have a good relationship with, a good friend, your small group members who knows you, someone who is perhaps more mature than you, to speak into your life. Speak into your life. And when that someone speaks into your life, do not justify away whatever that someone is telling you. We have this habit to justify away and to say that, well, you're right. You pointed out this weakness, but I do this because... And we start justifying. I thank God that our senior pastor, Pastor Leon, he is so gracious and so kind to all our pastoral staff. Every year, there will be an evaluation. Personal evaluation, whereby Pastor Leon will speak to us, to me. And at the end of the the, the evaluation... I always ask Pastor Leon this. I say, Pastor Leon, for the past one year, you have seen the ministry that I do, the way I respond to you, my attitude, my demeanor, my character, when I'm in meeting, when I'm doing ministry, when I'm leading. Pastor Leon knows. He opened his eye big, big. He looked at my, 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 my ministry. We have been working together. I ask him this question. I always ask him the question every year. I ask Pastor Leon, right now, let's talk heart to heart. What do you think that I need to change? I open up myself, not waiting for Pastor Leon to give me feedback, but I go to him and say, Pastor Leon, I believe with the wisdom and experience that you have as a senior pastor, as a pastor for so many years, more than 20 years, close to 30 years, or even more than 30 years, I think, what do you think I should change? What advice that you want, you can give me? I open up myself. There are some things which I agree with him. There are some things that I disagree with him. And when I disagree with him, I always ask myself, am I justifying away what he says? Or am I really have a point to disagree with him? Open up your heart to someone so that that someone can speak to you. And that is how we can start judging others in humility. Before we start judging others, look at ourselves first. Look at ourselves. This morning, I want to ask you this question. Do you have that someone? Do you have that someone that can speak into your life? My concern is this. We are all educated we have gone through many training. We are all wise. We may say that, well, I can't find anyone that can speak into my life. Perhaps, or is it perhaps that you still have your pride? With all humility, I know I'm not a wise old person, but speaking to many of you who are older than me, let me be honest with you. Not only I learn from Pastor Leon, I also learn from someone who is younger. Pastor Nick, I go to him. I ask him, "What do you think about my attitude?" Someone who's older than, uh, younger than me. I have been in ministry for twenty years. He has been in ministry less than 10 years. I have the humility to go to him and ask him. I trust him. Of course, you do go, go to any Tom, Dick and Harry, as I say. Look for people that can give you feedback. People who are older than you or people who are younger than you. Always, always have the heart to learn and never justify away when someone point out something. Learn to listen. Learn to take in and process it without retaliating, without the need to justify. And that is a sense of humility that we need. And that's how we can judge with humility. To acknowledge that other people can see something that we could not. So before we make judgment call, the first thing we need to have is humility. And then the next thing is to have the humility to acknowledge that we have limited ability to see the bigger picture. Jesus says you have a plank in front of you, a solid wood blocking your perspective and yet you are pointing out the speck of sawdust in other people's. You see, sometimes we have blind spot. As wise as you are, as good as you are, As clever as you are, there will always be a blind spot. We all have a blind spot. It may be due to our pride, our ignorance, or perhaps simply because we genuinely could not see. But think not, as I say, as clever as you are, our vision will always be limited to some extent. And sometimes it may be impaired, clouded by our emotion, our past experiences, and it causes us to have the failure to see the entire picture. And because of that, we may make a bad judgment call. Now, I want to quote from a story from Stephen Cowie's book, The Seven Habits of Effective People. In one of the chapters, he talks about the incidents whereby one beautiful Sunday morning, he took a subway in New York It was a peaceful, quiet, nice Sunday morning in the subway of New York. And he was enjoying the ride. People are reading the newspaper. The young people are listening to music. And it was a nice environment. And then in one of the stations, a father and his two sons, alighted, came in. And the father sat next to Stephen Covey. The father sat next to him and he just closed his eye and started sleeping. But the two boys started going around, running all over dangerously, disturbing the peace, yelling, playing, grabbing the newspaper of other people. For some time, Stephen Covey was patient. And as this go on and on and on, Stephen Covey began to lose his patience. And since he cannot tahan anymore, you know, Malaysian knights say, with his impatience, his irk, his irritated, with that kind of tone, he looked to the father who sat next, behind, uh, next beside him. He asked the man, he said, Sir, I noticed that your two boys are running around and disturbing others. I wonder, couldn't you control them more? And the father opened his eyes as if that he saw the situation for the very first time. He, the father looked at Stephen Covey and he says, yes, I know I should have done something. But we have just came from a hospital whereby the mother of these two boys, my wife, have just passed away. I don't know what to make of it. And I believe that the two boys also do not know how to cope with it. With this, Stephen Covey immediately changed. He says, knowing this, my emotion changed. My attitude changed. My perspective changed. He says, everything changed. Because I see clearly. Now, every one of us, we need to judge. Is Stephen Covey wrong in asking the father to control the son? The father needs to control the son. Stephen Covey did the right thing. But sometimes I want to bring out this illustration to say that when we judge, sometimes we could not see the whole picture. And therefore, our judgment call may not be complete. It may not be wrong, but it's not complete. And as a result, it may affect others. That's why Jesus says, first, take out the plank of your own eye so that you can see clearly to remove the speck of dust from your brother's eye. We need to see in a clearer picture. Acknowledge that we cannot see everything. And therefore, when we make judgment call, we need to always seek to see the bigger picture and to always let ourselves know that there may be some area that we may not be able to see to have that kind of grace and mercy for ourselves and for others. We need to make good judgment call. Make it with grace and mercy. We need to speak the truth and to speak it in love. And that is what we need to do. And therefore, with such humility of ourselves mirroring our own character and also the humility to see from other people's perspective, and that is how we need to judge today. Listen to the feedback of other people and also be gracious and merciful in how we judge other people. Number one, judge with wisdom. That's how we should judge. And number two, we need to judge with wisdom. Now, let me read to you Matthew chapter 6, 7, verse 6. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw away your poles, sorry. Do not throw your poles to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear into pieces. Now here Jesus is using a very strong words. He used example of dogs and pigs. Let me put some context here. We are talking about Jews, Jews during Jesus' time. To the Jews, dog. Is unclean animal. Pigs, they're unclean animal. Just like the Muslim, pigs are unclean animal. Imagine an imam using a story and says, pig, pigs. So that is the, 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 the uh, sentiment that G.A. is trying to bring out. Unclean animal. Dogs, the understanding of dogs for the Jews is very similar than Chinese. When we talk about dogs, what do you think about? In Chinese, it means that running dog, literally. Meaning that you are betrayal. You are coward. You are infidel. That's the understanding of the Jew about dog. Whereby pigs, haram, unclean. Now Jesus used these two animals, dogs and pigs. He says, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pigs, uh, sorry, do not throw your toes to the pigs. Now, dogs and pigs during Jesus' time, even though it's domesticated, it is still wild animal. And that's why He said, if you do, they may trample them under your feet and turn and tear you into pieces. And so, Jesus is saying that if you judge, you need to judge with wisdom. Know the people. Know the issue. Because if you make judgment call, there will be people who will ridicule you, judge you, reject you, and retaliate even when you make good judgment call. Jesus is saying, don't give dog what is sacred. Don't give pick the pole. Now, during Jesus' time, pole is more valuable than gold. So Jesus is saying that, yes, you may, you, may, you may make good judgment, you may be giving something very valuable to someone, but that someone may not respond to you well. Not only the person does not respond to you, the person may retaliate because it says here, he may turn and tear you into pieces. There will be people that when you make good judgment call on them, they may retaliate and hurt you scoffs you, say good bad things about you, go against you. And therefore, we need to have wisdom when we point out the shortcoming of others. Do it with caution, with prudence, with respect, with extreme care. Take note that not everyone will respond to us well in our opinion, even though we have a, a, a good opinion on them. But if we continue on and say, you must listen to me, we may come hard on them and they will turn off their ears and their minds. They will write us off and we will be a lost cause. So we need to have discernment in how we approach people and how we make judgment call. The discernment of time and timing, the receptivity of the recipient and to see whether are we the best person to make this judgment call. We need to have wisdom. Just because we are older, wiser, more intelligent, that does not necessarily give us the permission or the right or the credibility to make that judgment call and speak to other person. We need to judge with wisdom and discernment. That's something that we need to bear in mind. I'm not saying that you give up, I'm not saying that you be biased. In how you make judgment call, I'm asking that you have wisdom and discernment. When you see injustice, when you see something need to be corrected, make a good judgment call. But there are times that people will reject you, put you off, or even retaliate against you. Make good judgment call with wisdom. And therefore, how should we judge? We need to judge with humility, with wisdom. Judge by mirroring ourselves first. Judge like Jesus. Judgment call is not just about right and wrong. Yes, right and wrong is important. But more than right and wrong, judgment call is also a call to reconciliation, repentance and change. Not just condemnation. And that's how we should make judgment call. And lastly, number three, what needs to change? Now, there's one thing that I would like to point out as I conclude here. What need to change? First and foremost, I think this. Before we make judgment call, we need to let God change us first. Let God change us and transform us. Not one time, not two times, but constantly, continually, all the time of our lives every single day of our life, let God change us. I want to stress the word constantly, continually. Because many of us here, we are Christian for many years. I can easily say that you are Christian for 20, 30, 40, or even 50 years. Christianity is something very familiar to you. You have attended many sermons, many training, many many, many Bible studies. But let me encourage you. Continually let God work in your life. Do not stop just because you think you know it all. And yes, you know it all, perhaps. But let God continue to change you. Apply the Word of God. Apply again and again the Word of God. Because in different seasons of your life, you have different needs and different perspective. And let God work in your life. When you are in your 20s, God works differently in your life. When you're in your 30s, God works differently in your life. The same Bible, the same teaching, it may apply to you differently in different seasons of life. When you have kids, when you become in-law, when you retire, when you go through health issues, the same Word of God, it will apply to you differently. So let God continually transform you, sanctify you, changing you. Never, never stop letting the Word of God changing you. The first and foremost is to let God change us. Because making judgment call is more than just pointing out the shortcomings of other people. It's not just about making a good judgment call. It is also to let God transform us first and foremost into His likeness and out of that godliness, our life will become a testimony for others. Our life will shine for other people. Our life will be an example for other people. When we are the disciple of Jesus Christ, our fruitfulness... Will be the best judge of the world. How we love others, how we forgive others, how we accept others—that the world may know that we are the disciple of Jesus. And through our Christ life, life our Christ-like life, that we set example for others to see the glory of God. Just by you being there, people will see that they are wrong. Just by you living up your life, a holy life, people know that you are different. And collectively as a church, we need to rise up as an example for our nation. The way we judge our nation, the way we judge our national leaders, yes, we may have our opinion. But as a church, we need to rise up in how we respond by first mirroring ourselves live the life that God wants us to live as a disciple in the Bible. I believe that this country still have hope as long as the church exists in this nation. The church is the hope of our nation. Not politician, not politic, not finance. The church is the hope for our nation because the church has the Word of God. The church has the principle of God. The church... Is the one who's going to set the hope, the trend and also the salvation of the country. And who is the church? You and I. Collectively, together with all other believers, before we make good judgment against our government, against our community, against our leaders, we need to change. We need to let God change us. And also this. The other category of people, including myself, is my appeal to fathers, to the men. Rise up. Let God change you. Let God change us so that we can make a good uh, uh, judgment call by having a good attitude, good character that reflects godliness. For far too long, we always see that issues with family always link with absent fatherhood violent fatherhood, or even fathers who does not stand up to its leadership. Fathers, men, my appeal to you that we will continue to let God use you, that you will not shy away from taking the leadership, the calling, and also the mandate of God to be the head of the family, to rise up to be the leaders of the community, and of the nation. It starts from home. Fathers, men. First, before we judge others, before we judge good judgment call, I'm talking about good judgment call on our children, we have to change. I have to change. So that our country, our community, our family, our church, it will be sanctified by our Lord Jesus Christ. Let our righteousness shine and not just our credibility or our own cleverness. According to Barna, Barna is a research group in America which is very famous, doing a lot of survey. According to Barna survey, young adults do not attend church because they see Christian as judgmental, critical, and hypocrite. That is so unfortunate. Those are the things that we stand against. But yet, people see us as judgmental, critical, and hypocrites. They are looking for authenticity, humility, openness. They are looking for connection, acceptance. The message of Christianity is not just that we need to be perfect individually, or follow Jesus individually. It's all about coming together as a body of Christ, where there is giving and receiving of forgiveness, grace, and mercy. And together, we uphold righteousness, justice, and we extend the same grace, mercy to others, even to the non-Christians. And when we do that, the world will see us having good judgment call and not being judgmental. And therefore, we need to make good judgment call with humility, wisdom, mirror ourselves, start asking God to change us, so that we can begin to make good judgment call in our attitude, in our spirit, in our approach. So when Jesus says, "Do not judge," it doesn't mean that we cannot make good judgment. We must make good judgment. That is the issue of. Right and wrong. But here, Jesus is talking about our attitude, our approach, our lives. It is possible to make good judgment call, but to make the judgment call in a manner that will bring glory to God, not just upholding right and wrong. It's not just about the law, the rule. It is important. But we also need to have grace and mercy. And that's why the Bible says, speak the truth. The truth must prevail and it must be the truth of God. Speak the truth, but speak it with love, grace, mercy. And with that, I would like to conclude and ask everyone, wherever you are, stand with me. Let's spend some time to really digest what we have just heard and I ask the musician to come. Let's just close the eye and let's come to the Lord. and says God. As I listen to your word, As I have listened to this message today, it is a strong message, but yet it's something that we really need because it affects us directly and it affects your name, your glory directly and it also will result in either the rejection or acceptance of the gospel of God to the people around us. So right now, wherever you are, let me invite you, church, to come to a time of prayer, to come to a time of reflection, to really seek God. And I ask the musician to come and lead us in this song. Spirit, touch your church. And as we sing this song, if you're able to sing it and memorize it with your eyes closed, let's really close our eyes and sing it to the Lord from the bottom of our hearts. Let's sing this song. Spirit, touch your church. Time of reflection is want to show you the reflection questions for today. And it says this. Number one, how are we judgmental in the way we make judgment call? What's the difference between judgmental and good judgment? Number two, How can we change in the way we judge and make a better judgment call? What needs to change personally in our lives? And number three, how the Word of God, the leading of Holy Spirit and listening to others' feedback leads us to making a better judgment call. With these three questions, I hope that you will really take time to look at our own selves, to share this in your small group and to edify and support and encourage one another. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father Lord, as we have heard your word, it says, do not judge. We know it's important to make good judgment call based on the word of God and the wisdom of the Bible. But this morning, help us to examine our own heart. Help us to examine our own life that there will be humility humility as we make judgment call. Yes, we are not perfect and we cannot wait until we are perfect before we make judgment call. And therefore, as we live, as we make judgment call, we need to stay humble before you. We need to be in a community of faith whereby there is giving and receiving of feedback and encouragement to point out the shortcoming of one another, to repent together, to reconcile together and to grow together. And that is the power of the body of Christ. And this morning, Father Lord, help us, Holy Spirit, whenever we need wisdom to change our attitude, mindset, Holy Spirit, show us, reveal to us our own blind spot that we will repent and we will make a better judgment call with a better attitude. Father Lord, we ask that you do that in our lives right now. I believe the Holy Spirit will have revealed to you your own shortcoming. And therefore, do not be condemned. Do not feel ashamed because the cross, the blood of Jesus Christ have given you forgiveness. Come to the Lord in repentance. Genuinely tell God, God, help me to change because I know I can't do it myself I've tried so many times so many years but right now I believe that some of the words of God some of the words of your friends or family members come to your mind telling you some of the attitude that you need to change give it a consideration measure it and ask God to help you to make changes necessary Let's take time a minute or two and I will encourage you to pray to the Lord right now. Brothers and sisters, let's come and let's pray together. Father Lord, this morning as we come before you, we know that you are with us. We know that your power is with us. And we know that we are victorious in Jesus Christ. And therefore, Father Lord, help us to make good judgment call and make the good judgment call with a godly attitude, Father Lord. That we may not be a hypocrite, but we may be a godly person to help others to bring repentance to bring the truth of God to bring reconciliation use us Father God and as we humble ourselves there is power that you can use us greatly for your kingdom and also Father Lord as we conclude this morning we know some of us we have physical needs and as we have heard many COVID cases around us those who are sick because of COVID right now we want to pray for them if you have a friends or family members who are infected with COVID, I want you to just pray for that person. And if you're watching this and you yourself is recovering from COVID, I want to pray a prayer of healing for you. As you, raise, as you raise up your hands, let's receive that healing. And also, not only for COVID, if you have any other healing needs, whether it is from cancer, from any other illnesses, that you need healing right now, let me ask you to just raise up your hand and just receive The prayer and also the power of healing from our Lord Jesus Christ, Father Lord, come, brother and sister, wherever you are, say a prayer to the person that you know, or even for yourself right now. Oh yes, Father God, let the power of healing come upon the people, Father Lord, who needs it. Our friends and family members, let your healing power touch their bodies. Let your healing power begin to work, Father Lord, restoring every tissue, every cell and every organ, every structure of the physical body. And I ask that the body will be strengthened to fight against the COVID infection, to fight against whatever illness that they are struggling with. I ask that you will give them, Father Lord, healing power, healing power, Father Lord. Let your miraculous, powerful healing power to be upon their family members, to be upon their physical body right now, Father God yes lord we believe that you are able to do it and we claim father lord your promise that you will heal us father god right now Oh, yes lord let your healing power sweep through this place let your healing power sweep through this country the entire world father lord bringing the peace bringing the comfort in the physical body in the mind in the soul right now receive it in jesus name receive it in jesus name yes lord let your healing power flow father god let your healing power flow oh god right now yes lord and also for the family members who are in close contact or any one of us who are in close contact, we ask that you protect us, Father God. And for us who needs to travel, to work, i pray that you will keep us safe also in our coming in in our going out in everything that we do father god protect us oh lord because we know you are our father in heaven that your protection your provision it will be the best for us father god that we will respond by faith for the lord in our life not fear oh god that we will have the peace in our heart even though we know that we may be in close contact we may be infected with covid that we have peace in our heart because God is with us. God is with us. The presence of our Lord is with us, Father God. And by that, we know for sure that there is hope in our life, O God. There's healing, O Lord. Protect us. Provide for us, O God. Heal us, O Lord. Give us faith, O God, as we come in and out that we will not be governed by fear, worries, anxieties, But by faith, O Lord, we do our part. We do our measures. But most importantly, the protection of God, the power of God in our lives, O Lord. Thank you, Father God. All this we ask and we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Amen.